You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to Utopia. Stephen Chicken joined down the line by Snooker's David Hartrick. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not bad, mate. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. Uh, didn't particularly enjoy the, the trip to Watford on, on Saturday. The trip itself was fine. Uh, perfectly nice stadium and everything like that, but not a great uh, not a great performance or a great scoreline to, to come home and, and report on, unfortunately. No, it wasn't a great display either, was it? It no, was... Exactly. They didn't. They didn't get the scoreline. They didn't get the performance. It was all a bit uh, flat, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was a really dull game. And I thought going into halftime, this is dull, but it's almost sort of dull by design. Um, at least from a, from a town perspective, not out of a, a sense that they were playing for a nil nil. Although I'm sure they would have absolutely taken a nil nil. But just you look at the players that they they have on the pitch and the injuries they've got, and there's just. A bit of a lack of creativity, unfortunately. Well, a, a big lack of creativity with no Isaac and Benza. Carolitin, unfortunately, ruled out for what looks like it's going to be the rest of the season with his knee injury since we last recorded as well. So you've got sort of your most creative players there are are out injured Nabi Sar as well, uh, who can who can play it from the back. And they just looked very workmanlike and pedestrian at best, I would say. Very hard working. They defended really well, I would say, actually, up until the first goal. And then after the first goal, and including the first goal, the wheels came off a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's worth talking a little bit about that first half, I suppose, and and what happened tactically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there was the Tridini tackle, which I think was, was... Pretty nasty. If I'm yeah, honest. orange card territory. I think if he'd shown a red card, I don't think they could have argued too much against that. It was, it wasn't sort of studs up or anything like that, which I think is what saves him. But he very intentionally leaves both his knees up and and rigid, yeah. knowing that he's going to go through Bakuna, and and he knows exactly what he's doing there. And I don't think he's, it, I don't think he's trying to break his leg, but he's definitely trying to hurt him. Yeah, it's one of the, it's uh, it's a tackle where you're just trying to throw your whole body through it and you know take out whoever's in front of you and I didn't I didn't think it was great at all to be honest with you and two decent saves from Schofield it's worth mm-hmm. saying as well um both fairly sharp down to his left side um the second one I think was from Sar's shot and he was a uh, not only a good save it was a good recovery to get up and get on that ball after the parry so you know he did he <laughs> He did well first half, and then we get to the second half, and I thought Town, this three four three. I know we're going to talk about the injuries, and you've already talked about the creativity they're missing, but this three four three it plays more like a, a five four one a yeah. lot of the time, and yet 
it it's it doesn't feel particularly tight or constrictive. It it doesn't seem to give town much control over the game, which is a slight worry at the moment. And like Bakuna's Bakuna's shot early in the half was probably their best chance on the day. And watching that again, it comes out to him, and he's sort of on the half volley on the edge of the area. And Campbell has just dropped it off into an absolutely lovely position over to his right hand side in acres of space. And if Bakuna even just just touches it loosely in his direction then I think you know there's there there would have been a very decent opportunity there but the goal (laughs) we better talk about it was just a bit of a disaster all round Steve (laughs) it certainly was and and you touched there on the fact that created a chance and I think that was Town's first shot of the game but Mm. Corbran part of the reason he was really frustrated after the game uh he gets into sort of table tapping mode and whenever you pick up your phone off the desk afterwards um after and it happened at, at Birmingham as well and uh, and a couple of other games where they've where they've blown leads, um, you know, you, you just got the, the tap on the table throughout the whole thing, and he he was especially frustrated because they'd they'd sort of offered nothing in that second in that first half, and he was saying that they wanted them playing forward a lot more, going back to the keeper a lot less, and creating chances, and he felt that they were doing that for ten minutes, and hence they got that that Bakuna chance. Uh, with Campbell in that great position, as you rightly say. And then they do exactly what he had told them not to do. And Alex Leo passes it back to Ryan Schofield. It's it's an under-hit pass. It's worth saying it it, it is a, a poor back pass and a, in, a, in a poor moment to do a back pass. But even still, Schofield has plenty of time to run out, put his foot through it. You know, you're not going to get an attack out of the, it, but at least you put it out for a throw. And he just stays on his line. It's yeah, really odd. I mean, Vallejo, the thing is, there was a couple of options for Vallejo, but he's only in in playing the ball the way he's he's looking um which is a sign he's he's not he's nowhere near up to speed yet he he under hits it but then Schofield I mean the first error is the first thing he does is take two steps backwards he doesn't come to the ball at all so takes two steps backwards and to put that in context when cleverly bursts in just as he starts his lunge uh, Schofield's back foot is actually still on the goal line so he'd, he'd only you know he was <laughs> unfortunately his hesitation and his misjudgment meant he was he was never there was no point where he was going to win that race at all and it's it's one of those goals that I think is just very very deflating um you know a quick when it went in a quick look at social media on Saturday and our whatsapp groups showed it was quite deflating but it's a very young goalkeeper goal to concede that um he will learn from that and he will learn about playing the percentages an experienced keeper there the minute he sees that back pass is off and try making sure he gets that first and hitting that as hard as he possibly can. He's not taking a couple of steps back to give himself a run up at it. Um, so yeah, just a very a, a very disappointing goal really. And I, as I said, you know, obviously you have to sort of blame Schofield and and look at look at what his positioning and his his lack of decision making there. But it was a really, for want of a better word, it was a crap back pass from Vallejo as well. It was real hot. Hospital ball. Yeah, it felt like it, watching it. It felt like um, you're playing 
sort of pro evo in about 2006 and you press you press the button for the keeper to punt it upfield and he just sort of stands there and waits for the ball to come to him rather than running onto it it's like no this this isn't the animation sequence i wanted it was um yeah and especially frustrating it's absolute sods law that that should happen 24 hours after they've announced that Ben Hamer has gone to to Swansea City it's yeah i mean we know that Ryan Schofield is a really good goalkeeper and i wrote a piece on friday you know, defending the decision to let Hamer go because essentially he was your, your second choice goalkeeper. He was earning relatively. Uh, he was earning first choice money. Yeah, exactly. A second choice keeper in earning first choice money is a, is a good way of putting it. And they've got, you know, Schofield has replaced him on merit, displaced him from the side on merit after he picked up that injury at Bournemouth. So, mm. you know, I think you could see Ryan Schofield playing, getting a testimonial at Huddersfield Town one day, put it that way. Um, mm. And. I think it's the right decision. I think if you're looking to free up wages from the budget, and it's worth saying that Carol Eighton is still a Huddersfield Town player, he's still getting paid by the club. So if they want to replace him, they probably need to to get to get other players out, and they are going to try and see if Ajax will, will do them a bit of a favour and terminate that loan. Um, but it is firmly in Ajax's court that decision. Um, then there's bigger sacrifices you can make than than a second choice keeper. But yeah, as I say, I mean, I I don't mind saying that after writing that piece, defending it, and then seeing that error, I I, I did a big swear in the press box because it is just absolute sod's law. Yeah, but the, I think the, the like I know we're sort of cutting about all over the place here, but I think the decision to let Hamer go was the right one because he was on a lot of money. You've got to give Schofield the chance, and you've got Joel Pereira as well as backup, and I know. A lot of people roll their eyes at that, but Town actually genuinely do have quite a few goalkeepers on the books because they've got a couple of very promising goalkeepers in the youth system. The thing about Hamer, he's done really well this season to sort of play his way back into form, but he's not done it in front of a crowd and he's had one or two mental issues that he's fought through and all respect to him for that. I still think a new start and a new club is what's best for Ben Hamer, the human being anyway, and I don't think he was getting a new contract in the summer um, with the emergence of Schofield and on the money he was on anyway because when you offer new contracts it's very hard to persuade somebody like Ben Hamer that he should take less money to be second choice Um, certainly when he's he's, it's not like he's an old keeper he's not 38 and happy to sit on a bench and train twice a week so I think it was probably the right decision to, to take the offer while it was there so and Schofield did make a couple of really good saves in that first half. As I said, the mm. second one in particular is an excellent reach down to his left and recovery. So it is what it is. It is what it is. I know I that big swear you did was echoed by a big swear here as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just it's one of those things, unfortunately. And as you say, he's he's not gonna do that again. He's he's if you notice Schofield is one of those players who tends to do the spin before he kicks mm. the ball out after he's gathered it after a corner. I might do the spin. Um, and that's because uh, Nottingham, uh, playing for Notts County a couple of years ago, he had one of those classic goals where he rolled the ball out, not realising there's a striker off the pitch yeah. behind you, and he nips in and takes the ball. Um, so he does learn from his mistakes. Um, I think he's. I think probably coming off his line is something he's, he needs to work on in general, and and sort of that that anticipation. Um, mm. And uh, normally that sort of 
presents itself in crosses, but I think it was almost the same thing here. I think he just he just thought he had a bit more time than he did. He just sort of got his mental maths just slightly wrong, unfortunately. Decision making comes with experience, doesn't exactly. it? And never more so than with goalkeepers and centre backs. And that's why when you do concede a goal like that, you know, or a young centre back like Marnie Edmonds Green gets bullied by a you know very canny striker like Lucas Shaw, you just have to go okay, all right. But as long as they learn from that and mm. they, they grow and a year later they're a far better player for the experience, you just have to take it on the chin. But the thing is, the first goal grabs all the headlines and all the size, but I don't think the second goal is any better. It's just because there's not a, like a really big obvious error in there, nobody sort of focuses it on it in the same way. But like Jones gets beaten way too easily, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dig him out for that because he's a young lad and again I'm sure he will learn from that but it's just basically a touch inside but then Toffolo comes over and he's in a good position to cut the cross out and gets nutmegged. Vallejo's got a chance to make a challenge or get a block in at the front post and doesn't he's not even moving towards blocking the shot and then there's a there's a three on two at the back post with Watford players. Pippa has not switched on at all. He's not even looked over his shoulder. I watched the goal back a few times and he is completely unaware of João Pedro coming in over his left-hand shoulder from behind him and he ends up with the tap-in. So like Schofield gets all the, you know, gets all the stick for making the big mistake for the first goal, but the second goal is just a combination really of bad decisions and indecision and you know just basic errors and to have a three on three on two at the back post really in any sort of defensive situation is is fairly unforgivable I mean that's what like the very best managers like Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola what they swear by is quick switches of play so that you get overloads on each side that's what they're trying to create it didn't come from like a rapid switch of play and suddenly town were caught out of position it was just just people switching off on that side so a disappointing goal to concede I would argue and it's not the first time either we've seen that I think it was was it Middlesbrough uh, Isaac and Benza switched off at, at, for a ball across the box to the far post and there seems to be a bit of an issue with town picking up players who are either moving towards the corner of the penalty box or who are caught coming from sort of around the corner of the penalty box mm. they they off when I looked back at, at the goals they've conceded um, for a piece last week that was quite a, a and it wasn't sort of the focus of the piece but it was it was a notable thing that that they seem to struggle with the handover of responsibilities with those players as to whether it's a, a midfielder's man the fullbacks man or the wingers man it often gets lost and I know they play this very man-to-man system and the whole idea is is that you know who your man is at all times and 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 stick with them basically but we're seeing them losing their men in in those sort of yeah s- the side of the box too much this season I think well you know like Vallejo and Critchlow both get pulled to the front post on one man and I'm not again I'm not I don't blame I don't want to just dump a load of blame on either of them but Vallejo is clearly not up to speed because he never looks over his shoulder either or makes a call and Critchlow just naturally wants to go where he sees the danger right in front of him whereas a more experienced centre-back I think glances across to his left and thinks if you're going front post I am going to try and get myself either central to try and cut a cross out or I'm going to if I've got time I'm going to get towards the back 
post where I can see there's an overload. So it, again, it's sort of indecision, it's inexperience, and it it's it's cost them. And getting drawn when you're a defensive coach um, or a tactical coach, seeing sort of two defenders get drawn across like that and leave a sort of because I mean in the end there was a huge gap centrally. And then an overload at the back post. Mm. You're looking at that and thinking, yeah, that's the relationships that aren't there, and and sort of you know being being a bit savvy in game. Really, you you can't. It's very difficult to to buy that. It's one of the reasons Edmund Green sticks out in youth football, particularly because he's got it naturally. He understands the game situation. He's just a, a bit more streetwise, but it. it it's difficult because you can't frame this game any other way than by the injuries, can you? No, and that's the thing. It's And they've had 11 players out injured. Jonathan Hogg is the latest of them. Unfortunately, we found out when the team sheet came out. He's had another flare-up of his hip issue that's come up, I think, basically throughout his entire time at town. It, it keeps him out the odd game here and there, and he's, he's probably going to be out two to three weeks from what Carlos Colbrand says. And I think... I can understand that the the fans are quite upset at the moment when you see the state of of the bench, uh, and you've got five players on there who I don't think have ever made a league start for for town before. Um, a goalkeeper, two fullbacks, and and Danny Ward, who's obviously just coming back from injury. It's good that he's coming back. Don't get me wrong, but it's not a super strong bench they've got, and to be honest, not the starting lineup that that they would prefer to pick, but. It's not like they've gone and sold all 11 of those players is the thing and probably half of them are going to be back within the next two to three weeks and it's worth remembering that two to three weeks now is three to is and this is even including the fact they've got a midweek game this week it's three to four games now it's not six to eight as it would have been in the first half of the season so they are going to get a lot of those players back from from what I understand Isaac and Ben is not a million miles away Navi Sars not a million miles away Jonathan Hogg as I say is two to three weeks Pritchard and Diakabi are due to be back and you know I know that they're not everyone's favorite players <laughs> just to, to their bodies though aren't they use That's the polite euphemism but yeah I mean probably Pritchard would would get the start here or there and and I know he's never been particularly good but it's worth remembering that he did have a couple of decent games against uh against was it Millwall and there was one other as well where he looked he looked good after making a start uh, I think it was Forrest uh, where he played as a 10 so and so it's it's just worth remembering, I think, that those players are going to be back um, very soon. They've added Rolando Aarons, not Aarons, we've been told, um, uh-huh. as well, yeah, on the wing. Um, and he looked bright, I thought, against Watford in the early going. Obviously, faded a bit, as you'd expect from a player who's, who's barely played since March last year. But he looked like he's he's got something about him, which is, is positive, and, and they needed that winger, that's for sure. Uh, so things are bad at the moment and I think that that there is the potential that things get worse over the next couple of weeks in terms of results you know I think I think there's some really difficult games coming up with the players they've got available at the moment and the players they've got ruled out but I think any club would struggle with 11 injuries in their first team squad and and probably five or six of them as starters yeah that's that's the thing I think like you made the point on Saturday to me that Liverpool Premier League champions would would struggle with 11 out and are struggling with several first team players out yeah, I mean they're not... playing a central midfielder at centre back, Liverpool. Yeah, they've they've not won in four, is it? I don't think they've scored in the last three Premier League games. So injuries hurt teams, and at the moment, 
not having, particularly not having Hogg there with how pivotal he's been. I mean, I still maintain he's Town's player of the season this season mm-hmm. for me by a country mile. Um, I think is is massive because he provides that link between midfield and and defence and you know Bakuna and O'Brien I they don't do the same job they they and one of those players is not even interested in doing the same job I would argue he only wants to look one way so it, it is gonna it is gonna hurt but I I'm a bit like you I think it could get worse there could be another stinker of a result coming I don't think this was a stinker nobody was thinking oh right they're gonna go to Watford and they should win this but I think the sort of fairly insipid display has dismayed a few people um but yeah I I like again something you said off off air Steve sooner or late they're going to get a game where they can play a fully fit Aarons and Mbenza either side yeah. with either you know Campbell or Ward through the middle and they'll win a game and suddenly it'll look an awful lot better yeah I mean I've just been while you've been talking I've been doing my own thing um, <laughs> <laughs> no I've been I've I looked at the players that have played over 500 minutes this season uh, and there's 17 of them Hamer was one of them and another nine of them are injured so they, they they're gonna struggle I think it's fair to say but uh, Hogg, Saar, Mbenza, Stearman, Diakabi, Pritchard, all due back, I think, within the next weeks, from what I understand. Obviously, you've still got Schindler, Karoma and Aitin, who are, who are longer-term worries, but it's a lot of players to come back. And mm-hmm. we've talked before, and we've said it even before, this sort of injury crisis really went up a level, but this is a month where you do signings that you can't afford not to do. It's not It's yeah. not a time where you go and make half a dozen signings who are going to be with the team for the next three years. And I think... I think fans need to I think some fans need to sort of set their expectations accordingly on that because it it doesn't look great now when you look at the the team that's starting and you look at the bench but just remember that in 2 3 weeks time you're going to have all all those players back and things are going to look look a lot better all of a sudden and I think where they do need bodies obviously is is uh, is central defence and central midfield, and we know that they're they're looking at players for those positions. So Richard Keogh, I believe that that is quite close, and Dwayne Holmes as well is uh, is also in talks, and and that could get tied up this week. I think if everything goes well, um, although obviously you know things can happen in football, can't they? What do you make to those two potential acquisitions, Dave? Mm. Um, the home signing, I think, is a good signing. I think I don't know if if. Town fans have seen a lot of him since he he's left um, and been with Derby, but he's a very very neat and tidy footballer. Um, he's good forward passing, uh, very very good engine on him. You know, keeps going, very very fit naturally, and I think he's a good signing in terms of. I think he he he's a bit of an upgrade on what they've got really, and I can see. Hogg sitting at the base with O'Brien and Holmes either side. That is a, a combative midfield. That's a good midfield, yeah, I think. to say the least. He's, he's, yeah. I mean, I've I've looked at the stats. Sorry to interrupt you there, Dave. But I mean, yeah, I think all round his stats are impressive. Um, not they're not like, oh, they're going to go up to fifth with him in the side or anything like that. But he's <laughs> he's you know he's he's in there with Hogg and O'Brien for the number of tackles he makes. He's up there with. Um, for, for he's, he would be better than anything Town have got from midfield in terms of dribbles per game. He loves a dribble. He loves to drive from midfield, uh, and his chance creation is a little bit behind sort of where Iton and Pritchard are. But they have played as number tens, and 
but he's doing slightly better than O'Brien and Bakuna or, or in that ballpark. So he's got a little bit of everything except height, unfortunately. But mm. you can see why Corbran would, would love a player like him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's worth saying I, I don't think Corbran cares how tall he is. I don't no. think he's interested in that side at all. I think what you're looking at is I th- I think Corbram we've already seen he likes his midfielders to play in certain areas of the pitch and I think he wants he wants to be able to play O'Brien ten yards higher up than he is at the moment Holmes patrolling that sort of central area and Hogg sitting that little bit deeper with Holmes dropping in alongside him when they're out of possession and I think that's I think that's a fairly good system. I also think that he came on on Saturday. I think Scott High is a project that's definitely worth persisting with. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very promising young player. Um, there are some sort of fairly obvious weaknesses to his game that will only improve through playing. But he is, uh, you know, longer term, he is definitely somebody who I, I could see coming through and making an impact may need one more loan out if I'm honest to get some more football behind him but yeah so I I, I think Holmes is a very good acquisition Keo I'm not I'm not quite so convinced by if I'm brutally honest with you we don't know exactly what specifically what job he's been brought in to do there is there is a there is a job I think it would be better you describe describing that he can do yeah I think where town have struggled and we've talked about this quite consistently this season is game management and late on in games when they're one nil up or even if they're sort of one all but they're away from home and a draw would be fine they need I think a bit of they need someone who's just going to say no put it in the corners and no faffing about and and just sort of helping to steer the team through because you look at the the defensive options they've got at the moment and it's um you know we're big fans of Romani Edmonds Green um but he is a young player um who who is going to make mistakes as all young players do you've got a 21 year old goalkeeper in there we've already talked a bit about that Nabi Sar has has committed errors as well um we know that he's sort of he's got that in him uh and I think they would like that to be Christopher Schindler. We we saw earlier this season when Corbran had all of his centre-backs, apart from Tommy Elphick, um, fit, that he would bring on Schindler for sort of the last, uh, last 20, 30 minutes of games just to help them see it out. And he it also allowed him to move to, a if he'd been playing 4-3-3, to move to a three at the back and help see out games that way. They've not had that as an option recently. And as I say, I believe Stearman is not a million miles away. But I think in the meantime, they want someone who is ready to go now. Who And, and that's sort of, I think, one of the big benefits of Keogh is the fact that he has been playing uh, regularly mm. for MK Dons this year and he's he's ready to go. He's not, he's not coming off sitting on the bench for six months. Um, but I agree with you that it, it, it looks a bit of an underwhelming signing, unfortunately. Um, but we could be proven I, I, wrong. I think my issue with Keo is that I've done a couple of his games this season and I just I don't think he's a championship level defender anymore. That's my single biggest issue with him. He's 34 years old. Um, he's been through a very, very bad injury at a late stage in his career. And I'll say no more about the incident in question than that. Um, um, and I just, I, it's one of those signings I look at, and I just 
think I'm just not sure that's certainly in terms of raw talent I'm not sure it's better than what they've got there right now um I I think you're exactly right I think if that's what they've signed him to do then they need a bit of that um maybe to see them through the next couple of months but then when better options are available they should be playing and should be a lot further up the queue to be frank I think that's the but idea it, to be fair you know from I, from what I gather I would hope so I mean if you sign Keo and you block Critchlow or Edmund Greens's progress with him that's poor in my humble that's that's poor um but we don't know how he's going to be used how he's going to be deployed he's he's not he's he's another defender i mean he's he's at 34 so i don't think he's going to change much now but he's not you know like fabulous at picking out 40 yard crossfield balls or the the spell when when you know Danny Cowley started using Schindler to come out of defense and and pick that diagonal proved he could do it i don't know if Keo can do that or not if i'm brutally honest and just try and break a couple of lines i don't know i'm just not I'm not feeling that signing on a few different levels. As you said, if he's coming on 20 minutes to go, see a game out, go from a 2 to a 3, provide a bit of solidity, then then absolutely fair enough. I'll try and get a bit of control. Um, but if he if he, if he he's starting games, you know, if he starts against Millwall, for instance, this week, I'm just not sure I see the, see the validity in that. Um, but it is, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm sure it's not cost fortunes and I'm sure it, it's not going to be like he's 34 years old so it's not like they're going to put him on a four-year contract or no, anything, exactly. is it? I believe it's it's going to be a deal to the end of the season um is is the impression I get so yeah it's um it's it's an extra body in the door at least and I think I think if you can have not not to this sounds like a a diss but I think it, I don't mean it that way but I think ideally you don't want to be having the Staffarella Gunja on the bench if you could avoid it if you could have a an experienced player even if he's you know uh, even if he's a bit past his best at this point having an experienced player to help you see out a game is a much better option than putting on a you know a teenager who's who's never played a league game before to try and add a bit of solidity so I imagine that's part of the thinking behind it yeah and I, I get that don't get me wrong I totally get that it's just my reservations are all about we, we don't know how he's going to be used or what job he's going to fulfill what function he's going to be used for so I, I'm tempering my you know my attitude accordingly it's just that if he's being brought in to actually play games and start ahead of you know Romani or or Critchlow I'm just not sure that's entirely helpful but it yeah <laughs> it's a funny signing because like when the news has sort of broke on social media you sort of go and have a look and there's a real there's a real split because there's a lot of fans who are very who are, who are not happy about it and then there's there's quite a few fans more than I thought actually who are actually delighted and think it's a very good signing so who are we to say well this is it and the other we always say and we said it with Aaron's as well that you always look at what their previous club fans of the previous club have said about him and Derby fans were all when they said it was a championship club had been linked they were all genuinely hoping it was them and I know that they're mm. they're in dire straits at the moment uh, a bit Derby <laughs> to, to put it lightly uh, and he's he's you know obviously he's had eight years there and was captain and was you know he's a bit of regardless how it ended a bit of a club legend there um, so I think that tells you something I, I think my worry is that that 
although I'm sort of not blown away by it myself, I think a lot of fans are remembering him from his loan spell that he had with the club in 2007, um, which was 14 years ago now. Um, you know, he was he was a young player then, and, and I know he didn't do well by all accounts uh, on, on that spell. But, you know, I think... And the same will go for Dwayne Holmes as well, who, you know, I think I think people are more receptive to to, the, to Dwayne Holmes coming back, but I still think I'm not terribly excited um, by it. But just, it's the same as we said with Danny Ward, just don't judge players by what they did for the club sort of, you know, no. five, ten years ago, 15 in this case. Dwayne, Dwayne, like, Dwayne Holmes is an excellent signing, but I just think, like, if you're starting with Keogh, it's just, his recovery place is not brilliant, so you've got to play a little bit deeper and yeah, I, who knows? Who knows? We'll see how he's used. But Town have got to get to a point where they're starting to to buck some trends because we can talk about we can talk about the progress they're making and there are very obvious signs of progress in there. But like the, the table doesn't lie, and there's there's a few areas they really need to look at. And they bought Keoing because they've got defensive problems, and they have. You know, they've conceded 34 goals. Mm-hmm. That's more than anybody else in the league, barring 24th place Wickham, who've conceded 35. So that is a strikingly obvious area. And you've got to, if you want to play with your, when you play with fullbacks, if you want to play with Pippa and Tuffalo doing what they do, which is is both playing sort of 10 yards ahead of the centre-backs and Pippa arguably almost playing as a, as a midfielder, essentially, and at times a central midfielder at that, then you've got to get your centre backs right and if Keo can help that process then absolutely fair enough I'm just I'm just not sure he can is my problem I but I don't know you know I'm open I'm open to <laughs> I'm open to having my mind changed but it, it, that sort of getting control of a game is really something town have got to work at because they're conceding too many and they're drawing too few Steve mm-hmm. this is another big trend over the course of the season they they've drawn four games which is less than anyone bar in 22nd place Rotherham who one of the draws was against and like put that into perspective they've lost I think they've is it it 11 they've lost uh that would sound right yeah yeah so that I think 11 is I think the Forest have lost the same amount of games and then the bottom three have lost more but if Town had drawn three of those games they'd be in ninth or tenth position now depending who they got the draws against and we'd be having a very different conversation because we'd be saying yeah you know everything's broadly fine Barnsley I think have lost I think Barnsley have lost 10 games and won 10 games and they're sat there nice comfortably in like you know ninth or tenth position and and town could be there they're not far off but they've got to find a way they've got to find a way to play away from home because the away form is a is a worry at this point and they've got to find a way to to get draws to see you know like a draw away from home in the championship regardless of who you're playing is is priceless really and if a couple of bodies you know a bit of experience a bit of nous comes in and provides that then excellent because that's exactly what they need yeah i mean i'm you mentioned the away form there i, I think that's definitely worth talking about because they've they've not won any of the last what's that seven games away from home um, they've only scored one in no, in those seven games as well, um, which is 
a pretty abysmal record, uh, to be perfectly honest. Mm. You know, they've only won two games away all season, and those were at Swansea and Millwall, the most recent of which was was Halloween. So um, they need to to shake the cobwebs out away from home. But they're also the problem is they're also not performing away from home. Sh- shake the you, cobwebs you out, Halloween. Oh yeah, it works because of spiders and Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, they're just they're not getting the performances though. You look back at these away performances and most of these games they haven't really been in. That's that's the worrying aspect for me. And I think playing away from home there is an art to it. And I don't think I think that comes from the coach as well. I think that comes from the coach down. You've got to find a way to play away from home. And some games, to be perfectly honest with you, you've got to be prepared to stink the place out and come away with a draw. Just yeah. be tight and compact and and get something out of it but that we're told that's not the way Colbrand wants to do it but he's got to do something different to what's happening at the moment because it is they've they've got to get that away form sorted certainly before they go into next season um because yeah. it, it it is a worry yeah I know he's not a one nil manager or a nil nil manager but even then I think as I say you look at the way that he, he talked after the game and I think this is he he tends not to criticize the players too much after games um he tends to be very we need to go away and analyze what's happened and find better solutions is is usually his line he actually did have a bit of a go at them after the Watford game you know he put he, he made public the fact that they'd specifically told them not to go back to the keeper and was saying you know I can't I can't explain why they did that because we specifically told them not to and I I, th- I think you're always sort of running a risk when, as a coach when you're going public with those kinds of criticisms, but I think it was absolutely appropriate here. I'm sure there's plenty of people in that, that dressing room among the players who were nodding along uh, if, they've, if they've read those quotes as well, um, because, you know, players get annoyed with each other just as much as as anyone else does and yeah I think we're, we're certainly past the point where they've made so many of those they, they shoot themselves in the foot so much that's the disappointing thing you know yeah. they, they can we know that they're capable of, of beating even fairly good teams you know because they've got a couple of impressive results this season but they they are so prone to just just doing themselves in by just making silly mistakes you know you think of that the one against Watford you think about the, the last minute goal they conceded at Barnsley you think about out multiple Stoke goals game. against Bournemouth, Stoke, Cardiff. You know mm. the, the list just goes on and on. And yeah, he, Colbran always talks about it as being competitive, and he doesn't mean snarling into every tackle. He means game management essentially, and and seeing yeah. games through because they're just they're just not doing that enough at the moment. Like they got a really good result against Watford quite recently, yeah. And here they've got a Watford lining up under a new manager, admittedly, but they're in a four four two, and they're in a it's quite a fluid four four two because it it almost becomes like a four two four really because Sara and Seema are really really good wingers and and really push forward. So it was it was always going to be a difficult game, and I think going with the the five the well I say five because I mean as I said it played more like a five four one at times I think was probably the right decision, but it it just 
it wasn't tight enough. It wasn't there wasn't a sort of element of control, and I think the players that were missing are absolutely vital to that. Again, it's without repeating ourselves, but they have had those players for some of this run in away games, yeah, exactly. and it's been the same thing. They've not they've not had that element of control. I actually and, I actually wrote a, a conclusion in the five conclusions recently. I think it was after the Barnsley game um, where I was going to talk about Jonathan Hogg and and how they'd missed him, and then when I looked at the stats, actually they've been as bad with him in the team at times as well I, I don't think it comes from you know a lack of fight or a lack of effort I think it's just stu- stupid mistakes yeah but in I think the thing is with individual areas sometimes when you get a lot of them clustered together it's often the sign of a team who are sort of collectively trying to take an awful lot of information on at the at the same time and you think that Corbyn is still working and still trying to get his system in place and he's still trying to get because what what he'll have done I mean I don't know this I've not spoken to anyone but the first two or three months are of his training will have just been about shape this yeah. is the shape I want you to play and this is how I want to we've talked about it with Jonathan Hogg I want you to physically play on the turn, you know, just play taking the ball on the turn and opening your field of vision up changes it. So, and then your next sort of two or three months, you're trying to refine it. And we've seen the role that Pippa has played now, where he's coming inside and almost popping up as a number 10 sometimes. And you see that Toffolo's been dropped a little bit deeper in certain situations. And you see that certain team selections mean certain things. It, it's a lot of information, particularly for young players, to, to take on. And I can understand the slight overload leading to one or two wobbles, if I'm honest. But that's not an excuse. They've got to, they've got to cut it out. They've got to cut it out because that away form is... is for it, I mean, it's relegation form, their away form. Mm. Thank God their home form is so much stronger you know yeah big time yeah they've, they've been one of the best teams at home over the last couple of months you know the, mm. the Reading game was the first first uh, league game they'd lost for, for quite some time uh, since November so um, yeah and they need to get back to that I mean Millwall are out of sorts at the moment they, they're on a really bad run so it is a good opponent to have next but even then I well, think Millwall, Millwall don't score mm. they do concede and their possession average almost exactly adds up to 100% if you add Town's average possession in. So it's a very, very winnable game, I'd suggest. Yeah, but with the caveat that there's those injuries. And there's all the injuries, yeah. Yeah, and I think this is what I mean when I say it could get worse before it gets better. I don't think they're going to go and lose 3-0 and then 4-0 by saying that, but what I mean is I think they're going to continue to look a bit pedestrian over the next couple of games because there just is a bit of a, a little bit of a lack of creativity in that side you know I, I think Bakuna could do something I think Aaron's could do something but you know you look at the rest of the team and it's you know Lewis O'Brien and Fraser Campbell and it's very um yeah very very stolid at times just not enough goals in it that's that's what it is yeah that's you know like your, your Aaron's and losing in Ben's is big it's big for that the creative aspirations of that side particularly at home um and Aaron's needs to get up to speed fairly quickly. Mm. Um, I mean, they've got Pip- but, Pippa and Toffolo still, but I think we've seen yeah. the, the the output from fullback has dropped off recently over the last few weeks. You know, I think both of them started the season like an absolute rocket and, and have sort of receded a little bit since then. And, uh, you know, that's understandable because you've always got to adapt and opposition teams mm. have started to do a better job but, counteracting even, them. Well, that's it. Like, even Saturday, you could see that the... the 
two wingers were tasked with making that the Watford wingers were tasked with making that four when they could and pinning back Pippa and Toffolo that was part of their remit to get them to to not allow them to play high and to not allow Pippa to come inside and when you get a team that are good enough to do that and Watford let's not forget their quality opposition Steve and they've just come down from the Premier League they've been through a couple of managers and they have they you know there has been a bit of turmoil there but they've got two excellent centre-backs two really good full-backs I mean Firmino on the right I think is is really really good and I think massively underrated and I think if you throw in that right-hand side you've got Saar as well who you know let's not forget Liverpool switched to Diego Jota because they couldn't get Saar because Watford wouldn't sell him for less than 30 million uh, you got Messina and Seema the other side who I think aren't quite as good as the right but are really really good and Chalabar and Cleverley in the middle are both excellent players who have had you know very very good games in the Premier League so there's both a quality England of cap. opposition there you are both got England caps yeah that, well there's a quality of opposition there that are going to make life very very difficult for Huddersfield Town and so if you if you give them a tactical plan to sort of nullify Pippa and Toffolo they will be able to to do that so it's not it's not just about the Watford performance because Watford are a very good side. Yeah, and this is, I think, the the sort of the big point that's that's worth remembering because it feels like things are moving back towards being a bit doom and gloom, um, and which is why I'm sort of mentally bracing myself for the possibility that that the next couple of weeks are going to be quite tough until they get players back. But all that said, if you if you'd looked at the fixture list at the start of this season back in August, you'd have said, right, well, they're not going to get anything at Vicarage Road. Like that's just no. that's just a game. So, you know, to be sitting here talking about a 2-0 defeat, it's it's not great because of the nature of it and because they've got those injuries and that, that make you feel like it's going to be hard for them for the next couple of weeks as well. But their season was never going to be defined by whether they got a point at Vicarage Road or not because no. they never would have accounted for, for the possibility they were going to do that. Watford bought um, during the game Will Hughes, Andre Gray, James Gardner, Garner and two others I can't remember and I would suggest just those three alone would go into town's first team yeah and they were sitting on Watford's bench so and this is this this was the the strongest uh strongest squad Watford have had all season from speaking to Adam Leventhal from yeah. the Athletic as well they've 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 had injury problems this season but they've got a clean bill at the moment it's the way it goes it is but it's it's amazing how quickly after you get a new manager that sometimes <laughs> you get a clean bill of health, isn't it? Mm. But we'll we'll move on from that. Um, but yeah, I, I I just think one of the one of the things we've preached really from Carlos Corbran coming into the club is that to turn this squad around is probably going to take four transfer windows. And I don't think they wasted the summer one by any respect, but they they didn't really do an awful lot because I think Corbyn quite rightly wanted to have a look at most of his options. This is only the second one, and they they are making moves. They are bringing players in. Next summer is the huge one where we know there's going to be quite a few outs. There's going to be some holes in that first team that need filling. So it's important not to sort of lose sight of the end goal either. Because a lot of a lot of the default position is just ah oh, the squad's rubbish the squad's rubbish. I don't think it is rubbish. It's just it's unbalanced, and you can't just wave a magic wand and suddenly have two players of relatively equivalent quality for every position on the pitch. It just it takes time. It takes it takes sensible recruitment. Yeah, and it's it's really boring because everyone. <sighs> 
I feel sometimes I've seen people trotting out the net spend stuff again and it, it really gets on my nerves sometimes because you see it's they'll say well they've sold Grant for 15, 16 million quid whatever it is and they've not replaced him you know they've not spent money to replace him it's like well they've got Aaron's on for a few hundred grand and they think that he's going to be a good player for them they would have signed him a couple of days after Grant if they could have got it over the line in time but we'll not go back over that again <laughs> You know, they signed Grant 18 months previous to that, 20 months previous to that, for 2 million quid. You know, I've seen people listing off the net net spend and including Pippa and Toffolo in there at about half a million pounds each. And I almost feel like people would be happier if they had spent 4 million quid on each of those players. Mm. Just because then you've you've spent your money. It's just, I feel like it's a bit backwards. And people, we t- we, it's the phrase that you always use, Dave, people want to feel fizzy uh, about transfers. But... You know, it's it's no guarantee of success. We're sitting here talking about Adama Diakabi and what and Alex Pritchard and how they want to get them out of the club, and they've never they've never done very much for the fans. Want them out of the club is what I mean, um, and and uh, and that they've never really done it for them. It's like, well, they cost about twenty million quid combined. It's not it's not a guarantee of success. There are bargains to get out there, and. <sighs> Sorba Thomas, I think, has left a lot of people feeling underwhelmed. I've seen people criticising the club for for being uh, in in big quotation marks, small time or tin pot for making a big deal of announcing his signing. But they just did a standard player unveiling. It's the same as they've done with, you know, previous with other players previously. You know, I think it would have been really... Just imagine if you're Sorba Thomas coming into the club from non-league and they go, oh, but we're not going to bother doing the usual interview and photo shoot with you in the big Twitter announcement. We'll just sort of quietly slot you into the B team. Like, what sort of, yeah. what sort of message does that send? It's... It, I, I think people are, as I said, expecting a bit too much about out of this January. It's not a summer transfer window. I know it feels like they're desperate for players and they need to sign 10 of them because they've got 11 players out. But again, they're going to be back. They've not sold those players. And yeah, it's... I don't know. I, it feels like we're moving towards another situation like we had in, in October where the fans are, are very, very upset with, with how the club is being operated. And I think that that would be a bit unfair, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, we, we've we been accused in the past of defending the club. And I don't. I think the problem is because often we'll say something that the fans don't want to hear, really, because they want... We're rebels. Well, Let's no, hop it's on our motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it's more that we can be more dispassionate about it and be more analytical about it so uh, what I see is a chairman who's an idealist who wants because he's a fan of the club and because he's taken over from a fan of the club he's got a dream and the dream is that the team plays really attractive football and are successful players are bought dirt cheap and sold for millions so the club then becomes a very sustainable entity playing for itself and there's a production line of youngsters coming through that's everything they're working towards and all of those aims are absolutely noble and hopefully achievable you know that is that is the dream of several chairmen but the opposite of that is you have a group of businessmen or you have somebody who's just bought it as an investment who is completely dispassionate about it and is only interested in what is happening right now and goes out and spends a load of money in the transfer window but still has a wage sheet that is all over the place that still comes into the summer with contracts all over the place and it's just basically it's like essentially you're just fighting fires behind the scenes from from day to day and what town are trying to do is get to a 
situation where there is some forward planning and where there is it, it things happen naturally rather than constantly having to be created but it it does take time and it's not you know i'll be brutally honest with you it's not sexy it it isn't it can be in time when things start to work but yeah you know to be brutally honest with you good governance is not roller coasters and fireworks no uh- yeah, I think it's maybe worth a couple of people going back and rereading that interview from October because I think with with Phil Hodgkinson and Lee Bromby because I think almost nothing has changed since then in terms of they need to be responsible with the finances and and no one wants to hear that but you know it, it's I, worth that, that it, it, just to cut in Steve but sorry I also think it's worth saying everyone involved in that interview and I'm including yourself here thought that on Boxing Day we would be watching games on TV with fans in grounds exactly what i was going to say yeah the covid situation just hasn't changed you know we, no. we're, we're still looking at probably not having fans back in for the rest of this season uh maybe i'd say that's a given <laughs> yeah and and maybe not into the start of next season because i know we're getting the vaccine rolled out but uh trust me it's going to take months and months for you know we're talking about millions of people you can't just get everyone done overnight there's just not the capacity to do it even if you you know had you know people doing it at the supermarket so it's um yeah it's and they do need to be responsible with the finances you know you mentioned teams spending loads of money and getting into trouble that's exactly what's happening at derby at the moment you know they're in they're struggling to pay the players Sheffield Wednesday as well you know these are teams that have gone and spent a load of money on wages and if you look at the the turnover to wage bill from sort of the last set of accounts when I when I looked at every club and their most recent accounts Derby's wage bill was something like 200% of their turnover they were spending twice as much money on wages as they were making and town don't want to put themselves in a position where they end up like that and it's 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 you know every fan as you say wants to have a billionaire come over and take over the club and just give them a blank check but that's just not how it works anymore and you can't do that these mm. days because of FFP anyway that's why Sheffield Wednesday ended up with a points deduction so yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's it's difficult because I the, the thing I should say is that I I do completely get where some of the fans are coming from on this because I'm a, you know ultimately I'm a, I'm a football fan myself and I completely understand it as a football fan you do not have to be rational that that's not part of the yeah. contract you know no football fan sits there watching their own side full of common sense and rationality saying well this is absolutely fine you always want for more so I completely get that it's just that I think from from our point of view we're looking at it and you're sort of having to say well actually when you dig down into it when you drill down into these things the right things are happening but it's a slow process it's it's turning around a tanker not a sports car that's the thing and it, the problem is at the moment is when it's not there on the pitch as well. So when you have injuries and you have a performance like you did against Watford, then suddenly everything becomes fair game, and you know everybody starts turning around and saying, "Well, they're not spending money. They're not doing this, that, and the other." Like a forty-minute video of a brand spanking new multi-million-pound training ground is just not as sexy as a brand spanking new multi-million-pound striker. But the training ground is the thing that town needs. And they need that for the next 30 years. So guess where the money's gone for that? And there are other things that have gone on within the club and positions that have changed, etc. Where you need to have the right people in who think long term, who understand what the chairman's goals are, what his aims are. So, yeah... We get it. 
Yeah. We get it, but at the same time, you can't just turn around and say just because you've lost 2-0 at Watford, everything is crap. Yeah, and as you say, everything else sort of bubbles to the surface there as well. And it's not to say that there's not valid reasons to be upset. Not everything is perfect. And, you know, you always you always want more. And, you know, the club would acknowledge they've made mistakes. But, you know, they are aware of everything. I can, I can promise you that. They are aware of all these criticisms and and. You know, they they try and address them and they try to do what's best. And, and I think that's, you know, there's a lot of my colleagues out there, by the way, whose clubs tell them absolutely nothing, you know, yeah. um, who it's just almost radio silence and they don't even they don't even know what is happening or who's calling the shots or, you know, at least at least there's a lot of criticism about town's communication. But at least even if they're not putting a statement on the website and in an interview with the chairman every week, they are at least talking to me um, and putting things out there. And that is literally the job of the journalist. I think I think people have almost got used to this idea because uh, Dean Hoyle was quite, you know, in the media that that there were going to be interviews every week and, you know, um, and fan forums and all of that. And even if that were possible, that just isn't a normal way to run a football club. And I think there's a bit of adjustment. And I mean, we've talked about this as well. I think there's a bit of adjustment as well to just being a mid-table club now because there is... This is the first time Town have had a solid mid-table season, I think, since 2007 or eight, something like that, when I looked at it. You know, it's either been promotion or relegation every year since then, or, or fighting for or against one or the other. And I think you, you made the point, Dave, off mic, that, you know, that the Premier League has set their expectations at, at such a level that now they've come back down, no one knows what they want anymore. I, I think there's an element of... of... Leicester City winning the title in that for a couple of years well some are still suffering now but for a couple of years afterwards once Leicester won the title their fans honestly didn't know where they should be aiming or what their aspirations should be because once your world view is altered to that extent it's very difficult to say well I want to win (laughs) you know I'd like to have that feeling again please and they sustained it a little bit by having a bit of a Champions League run etc the year after but it does completely rip up the rule book and I think I think what's happened with some town fans is exactly that I think going up to the Premier League I've said it before that team was never supposed to get promoted it was never supposed to stay in the Premier League and eventually that second season was just a case of reality catching up it was always the long-term aspiration but they did it sort of a season too early and it was a wonderful time and the town benefited and the football club benefited but it did suddenly set expectations all over the place because when you've been and let's be honest town have been a lower mid-table championship team for a long long time you know there was that statistic about the first top half finishing god knows how many years was the promotion season so yeah it, it's 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 a, it's a funny time for fans and we completely get that but there is a point where you have got to just have a little for want of a better word have a little faith that there are things being put in place that you might not see the benefit of for 18 months two years but they are that is the sort of the breadth of what town want to do it is a long-term project yeah and you know again it's not to say we've not got criticisms uh and i think if if results do continue like this into February, then obviously we're we're going to have to have a, a good old long hard look at that. But I think what we're saying is it's well we've we've yeah. both said that the away form's unacceptable and they they need to, the way they're setting out they haven't got any control over games. It's not we're not sitting here saying everything's brilliant. Far from it. But 
just some of the overreaction. Uh, two wins and everything feels absolutely fine, and two defeats and everything is is all wrong and couldn't be worse. But I get that you're a football fan. You don't have to be rational. It's yeah. not in the contract. I'm not about my own club. Yeah, I've uh, yes, I can confirm that. <laughs> Though we can... did our bit, we did our bit on Saturday for you lot. <laughs> Right, Magic, I think we'll leave it there then, Dave. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me as usual, Dave. No problem whatsoever. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Ah, how nice. Catharsis. (laughs) And I hope uh, you enjoyed it, despite everything as well, fans. We'll be back at you next week, as usual. Join us then. 